This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I think I'm going to ignore the fact that I see some freshly printed paper especially in front of Danny Sarek. And I'm going to focus more on the fact that this week marks American Craft Beer Week. See, that's my happy place, American Craft Beer Week. I cars were your happy place. Well, that too, sure. There's room for more than one. It's as opposed to what I'm sensing is a new bingo card in front of at least one of you. I wish it were a new bingo card, Paul. Mm. However, you have um, not been giving us a lot to work with the last couple of weeks. So this is only, right. this is not new. This is this might be oh. technically the third bingo card. I don't know what number on. But no, this is... I'm still. I might just have the I wrong have, bingo card. I have two ball. away <laughs> that I could win with. So no, it's the same bingo card. Okay. So if you're feeling generous, if I want to be blamed for everything that's wrong, I'll just go home. Okay, I don't need it here on Cardinals Underground. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Danny Sarek, Darren Urban, Paul Calvisi. Darren, by the way, how did Mother's Day go? Um, your edict in the household where uh, you were not responsible for your wife's gift. No. Was that upheld? Oh yeah. It, it worked out fine. Took the family out. I took my, my mom out on Saturday, and I took my wife out with the, the boys, the adult children, on Sunday. So I did my part. <laughs> Danny's also critical of her dad and, and some of... Uh, oh, from no, what? no, no, Paul. No, 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 Paul. She's not. Okay, well, I, I'm bringing <laughs> it up because guess what? Uh, my daughter was critical of me when I suggested a gift idea. And I'll reveal my gift idea it might be at my own demise and expense, but I was thinking, you know, something practical, oh, useful. No. Oh, boy. A, a packet of car washes, like the gift certificates for car washes. That's what I was thinking. So she could take her her daily driver through the car wash. I was thinking about getting a pack of car washes. So it'd be, you know, it's be, boom, it's turnkey. It's prepaid. You just pull in, you give the guy the certificate or the card or whatever. It's prepaid. And Hello, my dear. Here's this vacuum for your Mother's Day gift. And my th- I see it's not a vacuum. Come on. And my 13-year-old daughter, she reacted like it was a vacuum or a blender or some sort of kitchen appliance and immediately shut me down. And so uh, I felt shame. It was, uh, it was a low <laughs> moment. It was, uh, it was not good. And now my confidence is rattled going forward for any sort of gift buying. No, my dad did very well this year. Um, with a gift for my mom. He got her Kindle. She's a very big reader, and we're going on a big trip this summer okay. as a family, so that was a great gift. He did, I think, um, very wisely listen to some je- some suggestions from my sisters, um, but it was my mom loved her gift, was very surprised and very excited by it. And it was funny because I was actually home in Dallas over the weekend for Mother's Day and my nephew's birthday, and... I was talking to my parents because my dad listens to Cardinals Underground. And I was talking to him about the discussion we were having about whether or not the husband should get the wife a Mother's Day gift and vice versa if you have adult children. And we were going through this and my mom was sitting in the room with us and she goes, 
Yeah, I would have been fine if you didn't get me a gift. But I really like the gift you got me, so I'm glad you did. She said to my dad. And I was like, okay, I guess that answers that. If they had microphones on this podcast, that would have been her answer. Okay. All right. Uh, Darren? Yes. What is the gift that keeps on giving uh, when it comes to this uh, lineup for today's edition of Cardinals Underground? Is there anything that stands out to you? I'll defer to you uh, off the top here. Mm. Anything you, you consider front burner above I'm, I'm the fold? You didn't do you, go, you don't to use go an old there. newspaayman uh, term, there you you go. Know, above the fold. I'm surprised you didn't go right to the punter there, Paul. <laughs> you know... I'm getting unfairly profiled over here as Paulie Punter. <laughs> Craig Griolo just incessant, nonstop with the punter uh, snark, and now Darren sets in on it. Uh, you know, speaking of Craig, that is a that is a great thing to bring up here before we get too wayward here. Uh, Craig Griolo, our fine cohort, also uh, avid listener of Cardinals Underground, he too, like myself, could not understand why Danny had such a hard time wrapping <laughs> her head around last week's discussion where I said. All right, if you had to theoretically bet your paycheck on who was going to, and she couldn't, not only did she not want to bet this theoretical paycheck, but like she kept saying, she wouldn't just give us those names. I did give you a name. I no, said DJ Humphreys was the only one I was truly did, confident but you, about. But you, 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 you didn't want to go there. It was, you struggled to get there. To say that I would be willing to give wanting, up a paycheck? Yes. <laughs> we, we did conclude, though, that you count on one hand. Right? Oh, yes. Once you get beyond oh. a handful. Yes, I uh, think so. Right? I mean, it's so unsettled at this point. I mean, I, I'm envisioning some sort of headline. You know, We don't even know the punter. You know, no. It's, well, it's a legitimate competition, is it not? Matt Hawk against Nolan Cooney? Is it legit or is it not? Uh, is it a great question? Add, add him to your list of who you're going to keep an eye out for on training camp. <laughs> okay. Here we go. I, I, so for that, we need more than two hands, Danny. Just go ahead. It's in the thought bubble. You can just say it. Go ahead, Ma. You, you don't appreciate do you, do you There were several things she didn't appreciate, including my power pole of undrafted rookies. There were too many in the power pole, apparently. <laughs> do you think I, – I mean – Matt Hawk at least has extensive experience, which Nolan Cooney does not. But I don't know if that necessarily means it's an absolute out-and-out competition. We'll have to see. I mean, my understanding is Nolan Cooney's here for a reason, that Jeff Rogers is a fan. He likes the skill set. He's been around before. Yep. And so we'll see. Uh, We're not going to see Andy Lee, apparently, who started last season as one of only two players who are 40-plus years of age. It was Tom Brady and Andy Lee. And Andy Lee, Gandhi. same draft class, same alma mater as Larry Fitzgerald, correct? Correct. That is correct. Oh, so, there you go. Uh, but yeah, Matt Hawk, I'm just looking at it real quick here. 98 regular season games, so you like that. He's experienced. He's known for putting punts inside the 20. He excels in that. He's almost always been top 10 in the league in that category. He's a sun devil. He's a sun devil, so... You know, he's punted in Buffalo, he's punted in Miami, so he's dealt with all sorts of weather, and okay, we'll see. We'll see exactly what Trent, but you know what, that is that is entirely enough punter talk. I, I don't, That's again, true. I don't want to feed into the perception or stereotype of yours truly. That's fair. Getting back to that earlier discussion about, you know, the whole 52 card pickup, you know, I, I envision that sort, of, uh, that sort of headline is coming at some point in training camp as they're trying to figure out who's starting where. Do you see the NFC West projected starters for the 2023 NFL season on NFL.com? I did not. No. Some of the NFL.com writers, in this case, Greg Rosenthal, they went through and projected the starting lineup as the they see lineup. it for each team. 
We both, can't both do it, and we're ball. around this team every day. Right. But these guys that are sitting yes. in L.A. are going to do it. Is this like right. week one, like he won't have Kyler Murray, or is this assuming Correct. everyone's healthy? In fact, the opening line in the article going along with the depth chart was, and I quote, I can't believe Colt McCoy will be the week one starter. Fifth-round rookie Clayton Toon is the next option on the roster. Maybe this could be a Teddy Bridgewater landing spot. Nope. Let that resonate and hang in the air for a minute. See, this is this is the thing. Is like, why why would they sign Teddy Bridgewater? That's I I don't see that happening. Do you? No, I do not. I do not. You've um, got you've got three veteran quarterbacks besides Kyler Murray and a rookie quarterback. They're not signing any more quarterbacks. I, I mean, there's the only the only way I could see that happening is if Colt McCoy continues to have injury issues for whatever reason. He's not throwing right here right now. We don't really know why. And then you go into camp, and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, wow, okay, this really isn't feasible. The rookie isn't ready. And then we have a couple of journeymen. We need to bring someone in here. Perhaps, I mean, I could see it a week or two into training camp, maybe. But then Teddy that Bridgewater point, is a journeyman. Yeah, true. But then at that point, you're like, oh, he's so far behind the eight ball. This, if he's going to be the starting quarterback to learn the entire system and he hasn't had the benefit of an offseason. If you're going to sign Teddy Bridgewater to be your guy with Kyler out, you would have done it by now. Yeah, I agree. So, But it think I think it just feeds into this uncertainty that no one is quite sure. Now, I'm not saying that up in Jonathan Gannon's office. He doesn't have the old whiteboard with the depth chart up there and the moving magnets like Friday Night Lights. Remember in the movie, Danny? Boom, and they move around, and off comes his names. And and then he's he, he obviously has things in mind, but, I mean, in terms of him showing his hand, he's actually been a lot closer to the vest than I thought he would be upon his hire. Would you guys agree with that, true or false? Meaning, he's such an energetic, yes. talkative guy. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to get a lot of information. No. And wasn't that like right around the time that Drew Pensing was hired as offensive coordinator, right before when Gannon did some radio interview or something? He was talking about Kyler being under center, and he kind of It was Peter says, King, I yes. think. Yes. Yeah, so I, I am a little surprised, too, that that's how it started, thinking, oh, we're going to get a lot of information. And I think maybe understanding the responsibilities and, and how what you say – lingers as a head coach and and how all the different ways that people perceive it 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 doesn't really surprise me that it he has kept things a little closer to the vest um but yeah it is a little different than what i expected at least this early on in fact when petzine and jonathan gannon did their first joint press conference i think it was petzine's introduction somebody asked the question about kylo under center and what should we expect and then petzine because the two of them are really close over a lot of years kind of took that good natured jab at the head coach is maybe showing and revealing a little too much in that interview like why why would you tell anyone anything about anything we're planning to do so but yeah i you know once again i just it is I think part of the storyline right now is just projecting exactly what we expect, and no one truly knows. I mean, I'll give you my hot take, right? Because you guys are just itching for a hot take right here near the top. Especially from you, Paul. Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Hard not to take that as a slam, but that's cool. I shake that one off as well, and I continue. If we're believing that Paris Johnson Jr. is a tackle, and that he would be your starting right tackle from day one. Because, you know, based on that one hour we got to see a rookie minicamp, there was Paris Johnson Jr. lined up where, Darren? 
It looked like right tackle to me, Paul. There you go. He was uh, most... assuming we had a ghost right guard. Yeah, yes. So he was most definitely to the right of John Gaines. Yes. Who was most definitely snapping the ball. That's true. That's what we know. So let's just say he's penciled in as a starting right tackle, which, oh, by the way, the NFL is a copycat league and is kind of a trend right now. Seattle started two rookie tackles and the Giants just did that. And okay. Now, if Kelvin Beachum, who, I mean, between his leadership, and the fact that it was well bought, the contract by the Cardinals isn't costing a lot under the cap. I think Beach is here to stay. And his versatility, he got you out of game last year at left tackle. He's played the interior before. Where does that leave Josh Jones? I would say, guess what? It's a luxury you neither need nor require, and he's in the contract year. There are teams that are in dire need of tackles. Could he be in the trade block? There you go. I would I would think that that's possible if that's that's the direction they look. I think that's absolutely possible now. I yes. think otherwise he would be your swing. If, jo- if you're, Josh, Josh Jones. Jones, if you're going to put Beecham somewhere else. and you're gonna or, have... or Beecham's your swing. That's fair. Uh, I mean, if you don't think Josh Jones can play guard and start at guard. And he's not your future at either tackle yeah, spot. I'm probably dealing no. him or I'm trying to deal him. I mean, Josh Jones on the right side. Hasn't been real successful, and Josh Jones' stint at right guard was not very well received either. And he has said before he's more comfortable on the left side. Yeah. So if they he, feel like he yeah. could be a left guard, that's a different discussion. He played fairly solid at left tackle, all things considered, I thought. I mean, I would think some team would be willing to take a look at that. I mean, if there's one definitive thing we can say about Josh Jones, he's a left tackle. If he has a position in the NFL, it's left tackle. So to come back full circle to your point earlier, Danny, the only thing you're willing to bet your paycheck on is that DJ Humphreys is this team's left tackle. Where does that leave Josh Jones if Beach is the swing tackle? I think it leaves him expendable, and you're just waiting for a moment where down goes someone's starting tackle in the NFL, and you can leverage that. I agree. I think he's here through training camp and preseason because you're you're going to need players. You're going to need a lot of players through the preseason games of I would imagine we will see more starters play in at least that first preseason game than last year, maybe through the first half of the second one, but you're going to need players to play. There's three preseason games, so I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Jones is on this roster through those, but then I would I would see that he either gets cut or they try and trade him. Darren, you now have the depth chart in your hands. Where do you put Paris Johnson Jr.? Mm. I think to to begin with, I, I I guess it would depend on how you feel about Kelvin Beecham. I think right now, and let let's say what let's say in this argument that we are doing something else with Josh Jones. If you feel comfortable enough with Beecham as your right tackle, I I don't have a problem starting Paris Johnson as a guard in this league, to to at least his first year. He's done it before, and you could use another guard. Um, but I also don't have a problem with tackle. I'm here's here's why I'm interested to see what they do with Paris Johnson in some part, especially if they play him at right tackle, because so many guys who are left tackles and then drafted to be some, they really would rather not play right tackle. Josh Jones, we just were talking about that. I don't think DJ Humphreys loved the idea. Yep. Um, Paris Johnson says, that's fine. That's where you want me to play. That's where I'll play. I'll be curious to know if that actually translates once you're on the field. Right. That goes into my point last week of 
if we are under the assumption that this staff, this front office, sees Paris Johnson as your future left tackle, however you want to give him a year to kind of get a little more experience under his belt, have DJ Humphreys be your starting left tackle this year, does it make more sense? Are you more comfortable keeping Johnson on the left side as your left guard, or do you want him playing tackle on the right side? Look, I, I would say this, that DJ Humphreys is under a long-term contract. Can you get out of it starting the end of this season in some way, shape, or form? Yes, you could. But if you consider him the future, then why not start Paris Johnson Jr.'s career at right tackle for three, maybe four years until DJ Humphreys says, you know what, I'm going into media and I'm going to be a TV star and leverage this big personality out there. I, I could easily see them doing that, and there's your two bookend tackles. It's, it's so interesting to me because I think a lot of the – there were many complaints. There have been many complaints of the, pre, pre, uh, of the coaching staff before this, whether it be offense or defense, but I heard about it on the offensive line too with Josh Jones, for instance. Why aren't they playing these people at the – at the right place. Why aren't they playing them at the place that they're they're the best? The, why are you you know? And it's like this new coaching staff came in and they're talking about all the same things. They're talking about playing all these offensive linemen at all the positions that they can, and and that's what you should be able to do. And you know, I I get where fans are, where they get frustrated with some of that, but I I think that's today's NFL. Uh, and you better have guys that can play a lot of places. And again, more than that for me is have a want to to be willing to do that. Uh, you know, if you're a backup, you don't really have much choice. You know, I'm talking to Yelda Froholt, uh, the center for now. And when he talks about being able to do a bunch of stuff, there's a pride in his voice that, you know, he, he wants to be, as he calls himself, the Danish army knife. Um <laughs> That, that is slightly better than my nickname, Magnus Berfroholt. That's what I've been calling him personally. <laughs> but uh, but even the even the guys that are that could start, I mean, you, you mentioned before, Beach moved positions last year in the middle of a game to to get them out of a game. You you have to have that ability. So, so for all those reasons and more, I, I just see the two bookend tackles being Paris Johnson Jr. right, DJ Humphrey staying at left. Will Hernandez theoretically go into left guard where he spent the vast majority of his career? And now all of a sudden you're going to figure out center. You're going to figure out right guard. And guess what? This just in, you better figure it out right out of the gate. Because among other takeaways when it comes to the Cardinals' schedule, do you see some of the defensive fronts they're playing right from the get-go? Oh, just a Washington Commanders team that features Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Montez Sweat and Chase Young. And then you get the New York Giants with Dexter Lawrence, the all-pro wrecking ball on the inside, Kayvon Thibodeau. Then you get the Cowboys and Micah Parsons and probably the strongest position group on the team might be the defensive line. And then, of course, in week four, you get the Niners with Nick Bosa, now Javon Hargrave and company. So we were talking with Drew Stan about this, Danny. You know what? You're going to know right away whether this Cardinals offensive line is ready to ball and is NFL ready. Because here it comes. To me, one of the big takeaways in this schedule is the first month and what they're going to see in terms of opposing pass rushers. And you're going to be without Kyler Murray, most likely. We don't know how many games he's likely to miss, will miss to start the season, but that comes into play as well with the offensive line is what who is your quarterback? What is their mobility? How fast are they getting the ball out? I mean, you're going to need to see a lot of improvements from what 
the offense, the offensive line looked like last year. But you're right. It's, it's not going to be easy right out the gate, and they're going to have their challenges, and, and you have to be ready. I mean, you're not going to have the quarterback who runs the 4-3 saving your bacon if you miss your man. Extending plays for yep. 20 seconds the way Kyler Murray did in, in Vegas. That That's not an option. Right. Exactly. So, of course, we don't know. I Look. Clayton Toon, he had some good rushing numbers. I, I know what what's his deal exactly. David Blau is actually a little more mobile than I thought. I have no idea about Jeff Driscoll, but once again, I mean, we are thinking. By the way, per Greg Rosenthal's article on NFL.com, Colt McCoy is the starting quarterback week one at Washington, right? That's that's the way we're operating, isn't it? Yes. I mean, that's the way we're operating now. But I, again, this is this goes back to our conversation last week. I, I, you don't know. And it's not just you don't know because right now Colt McCoy isn't throwing the ball. And it's not because Colt McCoy isn't necessarily good or whatever. What it is right now for me is we don't know what this coaching staff wants. And they aren't saying jack diddly about it. So who knows if if Colt McCoy is really the guy that they'd be most comfortable with, even if everybody's 100% healthy, aside from Kyler, obviously. You know what? That's a great point, because on the Red Sea Report, Drew Stanton made a comment that the type of quarterback they selected in round five, Clayton Toon, might have been a little bit of a tell, meaning they left a Dorian Thompson-Robinson on the board. The very next pick, DTR out of UCLA, dual-threat quarterback. You're still bitter about that. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. He went to Cleveland. Right, I was a bit dismayed. There's no doubt about it. I'm like, there he is on the board, yeah. What? What? And then here comes Clayton Toon. I'm like, you know, Clayton Toon. What? Who was? I'm pretty you know. sure you had just walked into the office that Saturday, and I was already in there. And I think, like, in the time you walked <laughs> from your car, you had asked if he was DTR yeah. was still on the board, and, and he was. And then we, yeah. like, I'm pretty sure you had just walked yeah. into the the office and that happened, and yeah. you were not very happy. I like the way you know Danny cites how a she beat me to the office on no, that Saturday, that wasn't and b the point. I didn't walk in till the middle of round five. That but that's wasn't cool. the point. Okay, he um, missed John Gaines altogether. <laughs> And so um, there's that, the whole Clayton Toon thing. Once again, I don't think, and I had to explain this to Drew Stan, Mr. 13-year veteran of the quarterback position. I had to explain to him how it works in August in the preseason. We need the rookie quarterback to get us through the preseason games because you need the kid to come in in the second half. We need something to look forward to. Maybe you fan the flames of a quarterback controversy for the backup gig, at least something. You know, some, we gotta, we got to concoct some sort of narrative and storyline. When it comes to Clayton Tune, by the way, did you watch any of them at rookie minicamp? People want to know what he looked like. What you, could you any any conclusions based on what you saw? He was the only quarterback out there. Were they icing his arm like a major league pitcher after he was done with rookie minicamp? No, but I mean, they hardly did anything at rookie minicamp. Let's face it; we just talked about the ghost right guard. But Darren, that's our job is to you know project and, and, and speculate. You know, a little bit of information a can go bit. a long way. I mean, he looked great. Throwing on air to a, to a Tell me coach. More. To, it wasn't even a coach. I think it was an equipment assistant. Yeah. Without, without anybody too. in his face. That's impressive. But he looked great on that bootleg. You know, he had the half boot. No helmets the, on. Yeah, yeah, his rollout to the right, he threw on the run. You know, it was I mean, good. They don't even have helmets on. <laughs> you, you, there's a little bit of an Allen Iverson. They're playing Iver- soccer out there, Paul. There's a little bit of an Allen Iverson in there. Talking about practice. I was just thinking that, Paul. A little bit of a rant in there by, by Darren Urban. So, okay. All right. Look, I mean, uh, once again, uh, you're going to learn to appreciate Clayton Toon a lot more than I think you do right now. I agree. Uh, first of all, I do want to see him in the preseason. I mean. 
By the way, the dates and times were announced for the preseason schedule, just to let you know. And you can uh, buy tickets for the entire home schedule, azcardinals.com slash buy tickets. How about that for an easy link to go to? There you go. Broncos at home, Chiefs at home, at the Minnesota Vikings. That's your preseason schedule. Well, we knew schedule. that already. Sean, we just Sean Payton's first game. Friday, Saturday, Saturday. That And the last game is a, is a noon Minnesota time, 10 a.m. kickoff on a Saturday. Which means it's, we get home at a normal time. So the preseason game against the Broncos is 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Yes. Which means it'll be a 10 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time. We'll still be th- three hours behind, correct? Yes, that's correct. This is when Ron Wolfley every Are you year, being surprised about this? You were here last no, preseason. No, I'm not. It's just, it makes me chuckle. Well, that's how Wolf goes viral because it gets picked up by NFL Network. It's the only game left in that window. Hey. And then all the Wolfleyisms across the country, and he's a Twitter sensation. That that's how that works. You know, every preseason, it's uh, you know, Dave Pash just turns into you know, he's basically got the shine box. He's just setting uh, Wolf up there. You know, he's just these. Do you get to do any man. TV play by play, Paul? <laughs> I hope not. I truly, uh, Pash, you better figure it out. But don't give me this week zero crap over at ESPN. Make the schedule work this preseason, Capiche? I don't want to hear Did any of these lame excuses. Year? Did not do TV last year, no. Because I think the issue was always that last week. <laughs> Danny did, yeah. I did. I did that last, the one, the game in Tennessee. The play-by-play? No, no, no. So I, oh, I would, what no, was, no, 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 no play Wasn't there an issue on the sideline for the TV game in Tennessee? What was it? Was it was it, just really hot. Oh, that's it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> did, you, did you have to go over to the Gatorade table yourself and, uh, no, and hydrate? I had, no, I had a towel. It was just, it was so humid. And with the way every stadium is set up, it's the opposing team is when the sun goes down, that's where the sun is hitting you. And I remember, to put them on blast, um, my amazing boss, Tim Delaney, uh, after the game, I was doing live interviews outside the locker room with Cam Cox from Channel 12. And Tim is in my ear and we're getting ready to start. And he makes this joke. He was like, you look a little hot, Danny. I mean, I looked like I'd just gone swimming after this game. And I was like, oh, boy, that's wonderful to hear. Choose your words carefully. First, <laughs> you know, start with your dad and now with your boss. Choose your words carefully over there, nothing, Danny. Nothing but okay. great things right. to say about both. All right. Uh, what about the schedule? Okay, this is your chance to rant, oh. rave, and gripe and grouse. Uh, do you have great things or not so much to say about a schedule that includes no primetime games for the first time since 2011? I'm happy about that. You're happy. I don't think no. Danny is, though, based on the look. You're no. looking forward no, to some that. of the glitz and glamour. No, no. My my oh, side wasn't about, about that. Whatever. <laughs> my side wasn't about that or, or not having Thursday night games. My side was the home stretch of the regular season, the month of December, which is when mm. the Cardinals yet again have a bye. And the road trips are Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Philly. Philly. All in December. All in December. Pretty Paul's cold pretty excited. places, none of which have a roof. And that's what I noticed on the schedule. Yes. Thank you. Paul also noticed that. I, I asked myself. Did, and Chris Melvin. Did I offend someone at Park Avenue? Like, what's <laughs> like, what's going on with the way they structured this? Really? Are you, are you kidding me on this one? So there's that. There's the I'm co- sure Cleveland in, in yep. November is going to be okay. And, and I am surprised because we had talked about this. I think maybe we talked about this off air last week about having so many east coast games of if the cardinals were if we were going to stay out there for a week and maybe do washington and philly in back-to-back weeks but not the case nope nope so and what's interesting you have the three road games in december at pittsburgh chicago philadelphia in that order and then your first three games in the division are all on the road 
can't say I've ever remembered that before. Not that I researched it, but when your first three NFC West games are all on the road, at the Niners, at the Rams, at Seattle, all between week four and seven, in between there you have Cincinnati sandwiched. I don't remember that ever happening when it comes to division play. I don't remember that, uh, but there's always like weird, quirky yep. things. Like, la- didn't was it last year? Two years ago? Was it last year when we when the Cardinals played two of the division games? Both the other two divisions all got all four of those games out of the way before they played the third team. Yes, we played. Was it the Forty Niners? Yes, the 49ers, um, Mexico City was the first time we played them, and then... But we had already played the Seahawks and the... Uh, twice each, yes. And the Rams twice, mm. maybe? Yeah. So there's that. There's the week 14 bye, which is the latest allowed in the NFL, and it's the latest for the Cardinals since 1991, a week 14 bye. Was it the week before last year? Yeah, it was, was it 13, 13 last year. So this will be yeah. this will be the week. That's of, a late buy. I guess if you're December looking 9th, for a silver lining, is your quarterback missing the first couple of games of the season, having a late buy? If he's going to you know get a late start to the season. Yeah, but at the same time, you're thinking if you have an early buy, that buys you an extra week of That's him true. getting better. Yeah. You're on the road for Christmas Eve. You're on the road for New Year's Eve. There's that. There's the four Eastern time zone games, but only one 10 a.m. kickoff. So that's part of that. Uh, and then you have Philly in week 17, which I, I definitely think that schedule makers said, you know what, Eagles fans, we'll give you an extra few months just to simmer down. Oh, now and by and the way, nobody's working the next day, Paul. No, just I know. As a reminder. I, was, you know, I already said that it should, you know, that's late in the season. I think it's the Eagles' last home game, so it'll be Fan Appreciation Day. They oh should just gosh. give out breathalyzers <laughs> is what they should do on New Year's Eve. So that'll, oh, my goodness. Um when they walk in, everyone uh, just take everyone's car keys when they come right through at, uh, for that Phillies game. And then uh, if you're scoring at home, the Cardinals are seventh in travel miles this year because they play the NFC East and the AFC North. To think that the NFC East used to be the division yes. where they played those teams <laughs> oh, every yeah. single year. Oh. Hey, I've been around long enough where I was on a lot of those when I was at yeah. Channel Cinco, and yeah. uh, we used to go out on the team plane. And, yeah, you were going to Washington and Philly – and uh, in New York every single year. So I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I don't want to pull Darren Paul. But wow. and I'm trying not to manifest this that for be some a Darren reason. Downer? Yeah, Darren Downer. For some reason, I have a horrible feeling just with the road schedule that not only December will every game be snowy or maybe Chicago rain. I have a feeling that Seattle, it's going to rain. That San Francisco, it's going to be wow. cold and windy. Like I just oh, feel man. like I I don't know why I feel like every road trip is just going to be See, brutal. Well, the, 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 the Niners are October first, yeah. San Jose. You're, you're yeah, good there. I was going to say you're good there. I don't think San Jose. Since they moved off a of candlestick, that kind of changes. <laughs> candlestick, look out. Rain in Seattle. I used to go to Giants games with candlestick possible. as a kid, and I used to regret not bringing more than one jacket. Okay, when I used to go to j- games in July, a candlestick. That's oh, how that's insanely horrible. cold it was there. I used to hate walking on the field because there was no drainage, <laughs> yes. and you'd be wearing your oh, suit yeah. and your nice yep. shoes at the yep. end of the game, and you're walking through the yep. soup. There goes your fine Italian loafers, Darren Urban, every time. Um, so here's the question. I want you to look at the schedule, and I want you to give me your most anticipated matchup. This is strictly personal. Which game, which opponent, which matchup do you anticipate the most? Gives you the most intrigue, 
perhaps you're looking most forward to playing. Want me to go first as I buy you some time, or are you ready, Danny? I'm ready. Go ahead. Assuming that the Cardinals are competitive and have a chance to make the playoffs, for me, it's Week 17 at Philly. Mm. I think that's Kyla- why it is for you. Well. Well, look, there's obviously a lot of storylines of Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and Jonathan Gannon going up against, you know, his previous team, Nick Rollis, defensive coordinator. If if the Cardinals are already eliminated, there are still plenty of good storylines. However, if there's a chance for them to still secure a spot in the playoffs or they're more competitive than people are expecting, if there's, you know, a surprise factor to this team, that to me is a really intriguing matchup. If you want to get personal, I mean, I've got a lot of family from Dallas who's already looking at tickets and everything to come out for when the Cardinals host the Cowboys uh, week three in September. However, if we're looking for a matchup, I do think, I think the Cowboys is an intriguing matchup as well. It's just, it's, it's hard when you don't know who your quarterback is going to be. So for me, I I would say Cardinals and Eagles. I, I, it's, it's, I just think that it doesn't matter where the Cardinals are. I think the Eagles game is going to be fascinating. I'll, I'll go with something else because you picked the Eagles, but um, I guess for me, um, and there was a couple of choices because uh, there's some good teams on the on the schedule. Like it's that, good home that, schedule. That Bengals yeah. game is going to be interesting. But when I look through this, uh, and I've got a reason for it, it's it's the Bears game, which is the week before the Eagles game. And the, and the reason for me on that is one, hopefully Kyler's back by then. I mean, we're near the end of the season. You're hoping he's playing, and I feel like in a lot of ways. Uh, this team is about where the Bears are. And you could make the same argument where the Texans, who they also play. Um, and I would have picked that, except that doesn't really have any impact on anything because the Cardinals win and lose no matter what happens to the outcome of that game because of the first-round picks. But True. the Bears game, I just feel like these two teams are kind of in the same kind of place, and you have the history together and the two former teams from Chicago, uh, and they're trying to get back to respectability, and they're both trying to – they're, they're hoping that these guys that they picked as their franchise quarterbacks are going to be the guys, and it'll be kind of fascinating to see where those teams are at that point in the season and how they come out head-to-head. There, there are good matchups, though. I mean, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, OBJ, like there, there's going to be some good, especially home yeah. games for fans. Like There's a lot of intriguing games to go to, and they're all early. Tickets that, are on sale now. That's my pick, Baltimore Ravens. Just, I love the matchup at quarterback. I love that the second game of Kyler's NFL career was one one of the most captivating games I've ever watched. Just from the sideline, just watching Lamar yeah. against Kyler. Are you confident Kyler's back by then? Pretty much. Week eight, yeah. December, I think so. October 29th. I really do. I, I, without knowing anything, reporting nothing, I'd be surprised if he's not back. Now I know what Jonathan Gannon said in his most recent meeting with the media, and they asked for a Kyler update. And he said, he "Going good." Anything. And then he, but he threw in there, "Got a long ways to go." And then that made news. That got picked up by a lot of the national NFL media. That he's quote still got a long ways to go. But as Craig Rialu pointed out, to his credit, he also said that about the entire team. So it's been sort of a mantra of the head coach. See, that's the thing. I, people are trying to read into something where he's just trying to not say anything. I would just imagine he's too early in his rehab to know what week he's going to be back by now. I mean, it's it's May. Now, in, in the next couple of months, like that'll probably be different. I just think like how... I would imagine, how can you say, yes, he will be back by week five? I wonder what Kyler would say if we had the chance to talk to him. 
a good question. Are you? Uh, is that foreshadowing? Is there? Is there? Is there a Kyler interview coming no, up that we need to prepare for? Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, so the most anticipated matchups. There you go. It was uh, Philly, the Bears, and the Ravens. Those are the three most anticipated. Anything else before I move off the schedule, Danny? Anything you know, else that uh, you know? Did you you know? Are you preparing? Are you hosting all your family at your house when they come for the Dallas game? <laughs> no, uh, no. We'll see who you're comes putting out. some of them at Kyle's house. We'll see. Um, I I mean, I mean we'll see who actually comes out. But you know, my parents. Well, my dad and his friends want to do a golf trip. And my parents want to come out, and my siblings. When is that game? That's early in September twenty fourth. Golf in September. It's still and gonna be toasty. And my my aunt still and uncle and cousins want to come out, which is great. The more the merrier. But I have made clear that no, I'm in a one bedroom apartment. So like maybe one, my younger sister can stay with me. My nephew can stay with me. But no, hotels or Airbnbs. Okay. All right. Um, what about, as I look here at this, now, Dane, did you have a problem with today's rundown of any sort as I look to see here exactly, you know, the game plan sheet as I look at here? I just, uh, I called a timeout. I did. At first it was, was um, where will Paris Johnson fit, which I think we all were on the same page about. I have a, it's not that I have a problem. I have a dilemma with answering the other question that was in the rundown. Well, there's, is Clayton Toon this year's Brock Purdy? That wasn't the question. Which is pretty darn presumptuous, I would say. Yes, too soon. We, well, there, there are some uh, statistics that back it up, though. There okay. will be a story on easycardinals.com on oh, Wednesday. To so that, keep, unlike keep, the Kyler, that is foreshadowing, okay? Keep yeah. going down the rundown. Uh, the next one is Matt Hawk, the answer at punter. You we said, already talked about yes. that. You know, probably he'll, he'll, he'll get a he'll get a college try out of Nolan Cooney. We'll see. Yes. And then bigger concern dot 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 pass rush or pass coverage. There it is, Paul. Oh, Durant. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard because I I was thinking about the position the Cardinals are in, and at first I think, oh, you really need to have a very strong pass rush because you have a lot of inexperienced players so that doesn't make me necessarily feel great right now because we don't really know what the Cardinals have they still need to beef up the interior of the defensive line so to me that says that's where the bigger problem is right now is your pass rush and then I think well what does a secondary look like Buda Baker Jalen Thompson your safeties Isaiah Simmons question mark in cornerback you've got Marco Wilson and Antonio Hamilton assuming those are your starters. I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Do I feel like that is the most threatening secondary in the league? No. And so that's why I was going kind of going back and forth was if you have a stronger coverage, right, that allows your front seven to get to the quarterback because, you know, your opposing quarterback's gonna have to hang on to the ball because coverage is going to be great. And then vice versa, if you've got a really strong pass rush, your quarterback is under pressure, and so that gives a little bit of a little little leeway for your secondary, your cornerbacks, really. So it's hard for me to figure out which is the strength and which is the weakness of this Cardinals roster right now. I think looking at experience and what we know, I would lean towards coverage being the strength. However, I don't know what else you would really add to the pass rush than what the Cardinals have done through free agency in the draft. Well, there were 36 sacks last year, and 18 walked out the door in J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. 
half the sack production gone. So how do you replace that? What do you do if you're the, the Arizona Cardinals? Now, obviously, you went after B. Joe Gillari, pick number 41 overall. You move Zayvon Collins to outside linebacker. Once again, I'm considering him an outside linebacker until we see otherwise. Believe your eyes. I'm going with that. And then, okay, that to me is the biggest question mark on this roster is currently constructed. What are you doing a defensive line? They even just released Manny Jones last week after the rookie minicamp. So that was a little surprising considering you would think theoretically they need bodies. Is, is there a veteran or two or three that's going to come in off the street? Same with a veteran corner or two, maybe. I'll say this, NFL.com had a story about day three rookies who could start. A year ago, there were 158 day three picks and 16 to the 158 started eight or more games. Headlined by, obviously, the Seahawks rookie corner, Tariq Woolen, fifth-round pick, ended up being a pro bowler. But there were others. There were like the tight ends, the Bucks, Cade Otten, round four. He was good. Remember him on Christmas night. The Giants got a lot out of Daniel Bellinger. There were the running backs, obviously, KC with Isaiah Pacheco, and then Damian Pierce, the fourth rounder out of Houston, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, one of these day three rookies who could start, NFL.com, and there were about a dozen named. Number five on this list, Keetrell Clark out of Louisville, Cardinals corner, who missed the rookie minicamp because he was graduating from Louisville. Well done. Yes. Double thumbs up on that. It was. And he was super excited about it, and it was kind of fun to talk to him about it because he was giggling about talking about how crazy this the couple days had been from walking for his graduation first in his family and then getting to rookie minicamp. But if he can play, that also is a, a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great story. Just the picture said it all. I mean, that was a genuine grin, ear-to-ear grin. And wasn't that his quote? He said, I've been I'm smiling. Been smiling on, and che- that's why I'm smiling and cheesing so much. Cheesing so much. I'm just so happy. Can I get a translation on that? Cheesing. Probably cheesing. not cheesing, but cheesing. Cheesing. Big smile. Mm. So maybe Darren should have spelled it with, you know, maybe the apostrophe at the end instead of the G. Probably. But that's okay. You'll be better, Darren. (laughs) God damn. Wow. Just, uh, I mean, it's just sawed off shotgun of uh, of snark here today out of Danny Sarek. You guys agree pass rush is the bigger concern? I I would say so, yeah. Yeah, but here's here's the – I think if you had a really good pass rush, you could make the secondary work. Right. They don't have a really good pass rush, so I do think there's a chance that this secondary – can get exposed at times but if you're comparing the two units i think right now the defensive line has and the pass rush has much more to prove than the second than the secondary at this point i mean again i don't there's plenty of secondaries that people are going to take over and i know that they need help there and all that stuff but uh but right now, again, when you start, at least when we're in the secondary, where I have some guys where you're like, okay, this is gonna, this is the guy that'll be out there. This guy will probably be out there. Yeah, we can't really do that with anybody on the defensive line or the pass rush right now. You know, it's interesting to me, and man, I, I long for the good old days of last off season where here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, I was able to use the words last place in front of the Seahawks. I really enjoyed saying the words last place Seahawks. So if you look at Seattle's defense right now, what did they do? They doubled down on the cornerback position, right? They went after Devin Witherspoon, number five overall. They're going to pair him up with Tariq Woolen. So to your point, Danny, the chicken and the egg, the egg and the chicken, what is it? Because 
they don't have a lot to speak of along that defensive front when it comes to getting to the quarterback and or defensive linemen and stopping the run. And I know the Seahawks are everyone's darling pick here in the offseason to go from that nine-win team to maybe a 12- or 13-win team. I get it, but they better figure out how to stop the run because they were historically bad at times a year ago, how they're going to get to the quarterback despite having, theoretically on paper, two elite corners. But as everyone who has played the game, including Kyle Vandenbosch and Drew Stanton in recent episodes of the Red Sea Report, they said, hey, you can only cover for so long. You better be able to get to that quarterback. Weren't the Seahawks bad at stopping the run until the Cardinals visited last season? Wasn't that when they turned things around? It was the week before, and then it continued with the Cardinals game. It went for about another month, and then the bottom fell out again. And then that was, I remember standing on the sideline watching it happen almost inches in front of me when Hollywood Brown got hurt. Yes. Oh, Mm. yeah. Good times. Unfortunately, on a ball that never should have been thrown because Tariq Woolen was all over him, all the way down the field. And so, um, yeah. But, hey, that Tariq Woolen player, he, he got he got props from DeAndre Hopkins after the game. He got the seal of approval as being a legit big-time corner already. You know what's interesting talking about pass rush and draft picks? You see where there's a bit of a buzz, a bit of a hubbub in Houston because Will Anderson is now going to be required to play with his hand on the ground. They're moving him to defensive end. Now, he played some of that, a little bit at Alabama, but D'Amico Ryans had to answer repeated questions about, you're moving positions with Will Anderson. He tried to explain, no, not really. He's still coming off the edge, but he's not an outside linebacker in our system. He's a defensive end, so his hand will be in the dirt. Let's just see. That's just something I'm monitoring from afar. Let's see how Will Anderson goes in Houston. I think that's fair. And again, there's a reason why... A lot of people think that the Cardinals are going to benefit greatly by having that Texans first-round pick this year is because that they're not going to be very good. By the way, Houston ranked last in rushing defense last year. So for all the analytics out there that say, oh, geez, stopping the run or running the ball, not necessarily that big a deal, you look at some of the worst teams in the league year after year, they're usually dead last or close to it in rushing defense. It's it's still – the quickest way to get demoralized and lose time well, of possession. Well, you can't get demoralized. And, you know. I, we, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> no, but Also, if you're a bad team, you tend to be behind, and the teams that are ahead tend to run the ball more because they're trying to burn up clock. I so it. I get it. So, anyway, um, as for the rookie minicamp, and we already talked about it was tough necessarily to make any quick judgments as much as we really want to make a snap judgment based on a rookie minicamp. I will say this. Did Michael Wilson not only look good, but sound good? Yes. Michael Wilson is already a top five interview on this team. Yes. Agree or disagree? Agree, 100%. Really well-spoken. Yes. I mean, he got up there and just crushed that press conference. In fact, you know, we need an emergency analyst on one of the Cardinals broadcasts. We might bring in the rookie receiver out of Stanford. You, I was going to say, you want to know why he's so good? Stanford. <laughs> See, it's a Stanford education, Stanford Paul. education, I know. I mean, if you're in the Bay Area, where where else would you want to go it other than Stanford? It better be good for hundred grand a year, okay? Now, on a dollar-for-dollar basis, obviously Stanford's education pales in comparison to that fine institution across the Bay. The original... University of California. See, there's no really reason to go with a locator because, you know, when you're the original University of California, you don't need like Los Angeles after it or UC Davis or Santa Barbara because you're the original. That's the way that works. Got so, it. Whatever you say, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else catch your eye at, at, at rookie camp as I quickly move this along before I evoke the ire of Danny Sarek once again? Um, <laughs> John Gaines at center. 
I mean, are we thinking, what are we thinking at center? Okay, what are we thinking? Is is it inevitable? <laughs> exasperated. He's exasperated, ladies because and gentlemen. the importance of the center position cannot be understated. Are we expecting a veteran center to come in? Is it really going to be Magnus Verfroholt? Is it going to be John Gaines? I mean, Lasita Smith from last year who never played center at all and still hasn't in an NFL game. Um Help me out here. Well, there's a lot of question marks, I think, because you have a new staff and what we've seen by defensive lineman Manny Jones being cut already is Lasita Smith. Because to me, just just looking at how things pan out, John Gaines as your, as your starting center is not a realistic approach. So right We've now that would be... centers. Okay. <laughs> so for me, it would seem like it'd be more likely for Froholt or... If they like Lasita Smith, but that's the question. If if this new staff doesn't feel like Lasita Smith is a good fit, et cetera, one, does that maybe answer a question for depth at one of your guard positions we've been talking about? And two, does that open the door for John Gaines to maybe be a center? I do still think it is very likely at some point a veteran center will be brought in. This feels so much like... We're going to get to camp. We're going to see where we are for a couple of weeks, and then we might sign a center somewhere during training camp. That's if yep. we need one. Yes. And look, I'll say this. Um, you know, the whole prospect of a rookie center is not something that makes me bullish uh, on an offensive line, although the Giants appear to be doing exactly that with John Michael Schmitz, who was taken out of Minnesota. Uh, I love that song. And so <laughs> let's not get into that again. But – Here's here's the one here's the one unquestioned upside if Colt McCoy is your starting quarterback. I think you could get away with a rookie center. Fair. Because Colt McCoy comes up and he'll be under center a lot more than in the gun, I think, this year under this system and this coaching staff and just the skill set that Colt McCoy brings at age thirty six. But I would think that Colt, well, not only is he most definitely equipped to do it, but I think he would handle everything in terms of setting the protections it wouldn't be like a Rodney Hudson with a young Kyla Murray where a lot of that is outsourced to the veteran center it would be just the the inverse of that I could be wrong I could be wrong on, on John Gaines and that would be a wonderful surprise and while versatility is great from a depth perspective this is not an offensive lineman who played center all throughout college right like you are expecting that on top of one coming from college and to the pros and, and all that takes to get comfortable and be successful. This is a player who, while again, versatility is great. It's not like he strictly played center and that would give him a leg up right now. The other player that I do have an eye on, I'm curious what he looks like, is Marquise Hayes. Here's another guy who's going to get us through training camp, although not necessarily for football purposes, but this guy brings a bit of an edge to him. Yes, He's got a little bit of Richie Incognito to him. Every once in a while, oh, I don't know, three or four times a week, to be honest, he starts a fight. Marquise Hayes. He's just, oh. That's right, last yeah. year. Oh, I'm sorry. Is my fist underneath your cage? And is it you know, jabbing you in the jaw? Did and then he all of a start sudden, one with J.J. Watt? Was he one of those? No, that was Will Hernandez and J.J. That's Watt. That's right. Yes. Still my favorite, training camp. my favorite part of camp. But there were at least, no, there were at least uh, three Hayes, skirmish. Hayes did have a skirmish. With or some, two or three. I can't remember who it was with, though. Can't either, but yeah, there there was definitely when you're when you're at your most bored during training camp, just go ahead and focus on Marquise Hayes and keep watching him to the echo of the whistle, because he's he's prone to starting something, and so 
it was sort of like who was the uh, who was the Cardinal who ended up being the WWE wrestler Baron Cohen, but when he was a Cardinals offensive line, Tom Pestock. Pestock, yeah. Baron Corbin, thank you, Jim Almondro. <laughs> Tom Pestock, who coming into camp, his reputation preceded him. Golden Gloves boxer, black belt, and everything yeah, there is um, karate, jujitsu, and he was an MMA guy. Don't mess with Tom Pestock. Wasn't the most talented offensive lineman. He'd tell you that. You don't mess with Pestock until some rookie did. And Were we in the dome? We were in the dome. Yeah. Down went the rookie. Yeah. Quickly. <laughs> quickly met his demise. And uh, nobody messed with Pestock the rest of that camp. In fact, if I was the guy cutting Pestock, I would have brought in reinforcements. So I would have done it. <laughs> I would have done it on the other side of, an, of, of, of a locked door. Put it that way. But he forged himself a heck of a WWE career. In fact, I believe Larry Fitzgerald went to a few of those big I'm sure he did. Those big WrestleMania events as a guest. So many WWE wrestlers were former Cardinals offensive linemen. Okay. So Darren, uh, you know you all right, Darren? Over there, you're good. You're good with everything. I'm living the dream, Paul. Okay. Anything else you need to uh, foreshadow or promote that's coming down the line? Azcardinals.com. Can't think of anything at this point. Other, other. uh, Okay. Not until next week's show. Have you heard anything from Yelda Froholt? Did was he? You know, was he positive on the story you did on him, the profile? I have not been able to talk to Yelda as of yet. Although, you know, speaking of things coming down the line, it sounds like we're gonna have. More Cardinals Underground for people this season. That's news to me. What does did that I, mean? Did I miss a memo? <laughs> What's going on? Are you the, I, did when, you not when, talk to anybody but me, Holmes? I thought this got brought up. <laughs> there was a staff <laughs> what, meeting what Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Omo talked about it in the staff meeting, guys. Was, was there a rehearsal that, that me and Danny missed? Did we miss rehearsal again? Yeah, I think the idea is that we're going <laughs> to have a... a a couple episodes of Cardinals Underground oh, every see. week. Okay. Which, again, was brought up and you guys oh. weren't listening. Okay. Oh, that doesn't right. seem like Paul and myself. <laughs> is it, is it going to be like hosted? Okay. I, I felt weird there, <laughs> oh, Omo. I'm okay. like, I could have sworn that you brought it up and okay. you did. Well, next week, what days are OTAs? Isn't that next week? No. Uh, yeah, next yes. week are OTAs. This, this all, all of a sudden, this podcast has turned into a staff meeting. <laughs> yeah, anybody I notice? Say, well, I'm saying, I'm saying, for things to talk about on the podcast next week, we'll have more to talk about. Are we? Are we really? Are OT is really going to change anything? Fine, I'm just trying. <laughs> I won't try anymore. Right. Will we we'll be able to tell? <laughs> Danny and Darren. Paul is too smart to laugh <laughs> at that is, joke. No, this is this is the this is the when when it, when it devolves into Danny and Darren becoming the Bickersons. That's <laughs> when we say while. goodbye. And Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.